You're about to listen to an episode of Legally Fonds. This episode is brought to you in association with LawSchool.ie. LawSchool.ie is Ireland's leading provider of tuition for the FE1 or King's Inns entrance exams. Each course is delivered live online with a specific exam focus and supported by the latest manuals. Shorter, pre-recorded workshops are also available and courses commence every year in June and November. Register anytime at lawschool.ie and for a 10% discount on any course, just use the discount code LEGALLYFOND. In light of recent events, we wanted to start the podcast with this message. Obviously, we're only three law students recording a podcast, so we do urge everyone to follow the official advice of the HSE and the government. Stay safe, practice social distancing, and please God will make it through this in a couple of months. And wash your hands. Amen. Piers and Alex wanted to say something as well. Gavin, when you're editing this, please edit it, edit it favourably and don't cut me off like you did in the last episode. We were both cut off in the last episode. We were both actually. cut off in the last episode, so, you know. Now we're in control anyway. Let's, well, where Where is Gavin? I'll try my best, guys. In this episode of Legally Fond, we look at compulsory vaccinations. Measles is a very infectious, serious illness, which there's no treatment for. The only way to prevent it is vaccination. Over the past two or three years, there have been outbreaks across Europe. Would it be a positive policy to have compulsory vaccinations in Ireland? Is there anything in the law that prevents us from having them? And what are other countries doing? Welcome to Legally Fond Episode 4. Vax on, vax off. episode is a little bit different to the other episodes that we've done so far. In Ireland, we use what's known as a common law legal system. Judges make their decisions based on decisions that were made in the past. So if you're a judge figuring out how to decide a case, you usually look to see if there were any similar cases in the past or any cases with relevant law in the past that will help you make your decision. So what Pierce, Alex and I are going to do in this episode is put on our judges' wigs, pretend that we have a case in front of us about compulsory vaccinations, and look at two cases that happened in the past, which might be relevant to how a court in Ireland would decide a case about compulsory vaccinations, and whether or not they are constitutional. We have to qualify here that, you know, we are neither doctors nor legal... Lawyers. ...scholars. (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> Take anything we say with a pinch of salt. We do our best to provide the facts, but a lot of this is our own opinion. That's important to note, and there's a really comprehensive article by UCC law professor Connor O'Mahony covering the issue of mandatory vaccinations in Ireland, which we're going to link up on the Legally Fond blog. Instead of focusing on one case, we're going to look at a broader issue through the scope of two big cases in Ireland. And the first of these is Ryan and Attorney General, a very significant case in Irish constitutional law taken in the 1960s. The lady taking this case is called Gladys Ryan. Now, she challenged the constitutionality of a law which allowed the government to put fluoride into the water supply in Ireland. Fluoride is a chemical substance which improves dental health, Although it has been the obsession of many conspiracy theorists going back decades, because it's suggested that it's some kind of mind-controlling drug. Or our favourite one. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay! Now the court respectfully said that the whole fluoridation in the water thing was rubbish. Based on the evidence which was presented to the court, there was no grounding to say that the levels of fluoride put in the water supply in Ireland posed any danger to anybody's health. 
Also, it was suggested that if Gladys Ryan was so afraid of fluoride touching her or her children's lips, well, she could get this little device and add it to her tap, and that would take away any of the fluoride in her water supply. Well, why was it that one of Ireland's most significant constitutional law cases emerged out of a conspiracy theory? It opened up this whole area of Irish law of unspecified or unenumerated rights, which are essentially those that we enjoy and that, ha- that we have and that exist, but aren't necessarily written down in the constitution. It opened up a big, huge area of, of Irish law, and it's such a seminal case for anyone who's studying law. I mean, it's, it's one of the, the real basics. So in that sense, I know she didn't necessarily get what she was looking for in the end. She really laid down an incredible landmark by taking the case in the first place. So Pierce, as you said, Gladys Ryan didn't win her case, but the big outcome was that there is an unspecified, unenumerated right to bodily integrity in the Constitution. So it's not written down in the Constitution, but it's in there. Well, why is this so revolutionary? Because it means that there's more rights in the Constitution than appear to be at first glance. It also means that judges who aren't elected get to discover new rights in the Constitution, which is kind of controversial. Now, it's a whole area of constitutional law which we don't really have the time to get into in this episode. But it's worth noting that Judge Kenny, who found this right to bodily integrity, based his decision on a papal encyclical. Yes, a publication from the Pope, which said that one of the rights that we're all entitled to is bodily integrity. Who'd have thought it would take divine intervention for a judge to make his decision? This unenumerated rights doctrine was was used then later in the McGee case in arguing for contraception. So I suppose it has been used as a catalyst for positive social change within Ireland. So what exactly is the right to bodily integrity? Well, according to this case, it effectively amounts to not having any parts of your body mutilated unless it's for the benefit of your whole body, and that the state can't pass laws which force citizens to undergo a process which may be dangerous or harmful to the life or health of citizens. So let's bring this back to the idea of compulsory vaccinations. If we're arguing that compulsory vaccinations breach people's right to bodily integrity, then we have to argue that they're harmful or dangerous to the life or health of citizens. Is this the case? I mean, there is a kind of a risk and reward element with vaccines. And I think we saw that during the swine flu outbreak, that um, there were cases of narcolepsy being reported amongst children who had who had received the swine flu vaccine. This is, I guess, where the Ryan case comes into this argumentation, because Mrs. Ryan's argument was, and she brought various experts uh, to the case uh, to argue that actually the addition of fluoride to the water could be potentially harmful and was dangerous. So certainly there's scope for people to use the Ryan case as a basis to argue, yes, vaccines can be dangerous and this is an infringement in bodily t- uh, of uh, bodily integrity. Obviously in the Ryan case, they found that there exists a right to bodily integrity. However, adding fluoride to the water does not infringe on this right as it's not seen as dangerous. Well, the case in Ireland that Pierce mentioned, um, a woman settled a multi-million euro case with the manufacturer of the swine flu vaccine, herself and approximately 100 people argued that they developed a lifelong condition as a result of the vaccine. However, since it was settled out of court, no liability was admitted. When you get into the, tw- uh, the territory of medical law, and there are cases where, you know, even though the risk was explained, there is a very small risk of something, the doctor can still be held liable. This goes back to the question of individual autonomy. If you're aware of the very small risk, of getting the vaccine and you are aware of the very high risk of not getting the vaccine then how can you hold somebody liable when you have made that informed choice of well 
okay, well, there are clearly side effects to vaccines, most of which only affect a tiny, tiny percentage of the people who take them. And then there are anomalous vaccines, which are poorly made, which lead to people becoming ill. But in general, I I don't think it could be argued that vaccines are dangerous to health or harmful to health. So I think in that case, it probably passes the test in the Ryan case. Pierce, in light of this, what are your thoughts on whether compulsory vaccinations would breach people's bodily integrity? The logic behind introducing the fluoridation in the first place was really targeting children because there was a big, uh, I hesitate to use the word epidemic, in, particularly in the context of, uh, of today, but there was a problem uh, at the time with, with kids' gums and teeth. There was very bad dental hygiene, essentially, amongst the children of Ireland. And the government had the support of the Dental Association to uh, introduce fluoride into the water. And I think you can kind of compare that in a similar way if you have the support of medical practitioners, the HSE, to implement these vaccine schemes in schools for the health and benefit of children, then I see no infringement on bodily integrity. You know, I suppose in a principled sense, yes, but you have to kind of weigh up the the benefits, uh, you know, the, the overwhelming benefits that the child will no doubt get from being inoculated against various diseases. So I, I don't, I think practically, I, I don't see a, a violation of, of bodily integrity of the child. In that case, we reckon that mandatory vaccinations probably don't violate the right to bodily integrity of the child. We'll explain more in a couple of minutes about what we mean by compulsory vaccinations. So there's another interesting case we might look at now. This is called Northwestern Health Board versus HW. Alex, take us through it. In 2001, the Supreme Court heard a case that challenged the Northwestern Health Board in trying to make a PKU test, which is a test that involves pricking the baby's heel between 72 and 120 hours after it's born and testing it for numerous genetic diseases. This causes no harm to the child. Even if it's performed incorrectly, it will most likely cause no harm to the child as this was heard in evidence. However, a group of parents objected to this and took it all the way to the Supreme Court and in the end won their case. So this case was decided based on the very strong rights that the family have in the Irish Constitution. The family as a unit is seen as something that's really strong and important in the Irish Constitution. And parents are the natural and primary educators of their children, above the state. The Supreme Court said that the state doesn't step in where parents have made an ill-advised decision about their kids. It only steps in where parents have completely neglected or abdicated their duties as parents. Question is, guys, do we think by not getting your kids vaccinated, you're fundamentally abdicating your duties as a parent? I think potentially. I think like something like mums, which has made a, you know, which has torn through Trinity in the last couple of months, that can make men infertile. Like that can have a very lasting effect on people. You know, if my parents didn't get me vaccinated, I remember when I saw the first mums email in Trinity, I texted my mum and said like, you know, did I get the MMR vaccine? She's like, yeah, obviously, but... When that decision is out of your hands, and if you grow up in later life and then say, you know, become infertile because of the mumps, you know, that can have a very serious effect, not only physically, but mentally. That's pretty serious. Majorly, but also if your parents don't feed you greens when you're young, and you don't eat any healthy food, and you end up getting heart disease age 35 or something like that. Are, are parents virtually abdicating their duties there? Well, I think it's because of vac- Like, I understand your point, and I understand why you're playing devil's advocate, but... The vaccine issue is a very binary thing. You're either vaccinated or you're not. Like, you know, a diet is, 
you know, there can be a million right ways and a million wrong ways mm-hmm. to, to eat food or on what food to eat. Now, obviously, we but, have but, to but, but even it, on know. that as well, I mean, I, I'm sure state schools should be providing healthy school lunches or, or whatever it is. Um, you should have a rigorous exercise regime in school. You try learn not not only geography and history and all that sort of stuff, but obviously also learn how, how to live a healthy lifestyle. And I food think dudes. they bring back Latin. Food Greek dudes. And you remember yeah. food dudes? Uh, we never had it, I, I, actually, but I've, I've heard a lot about it. it. They give you a carroty. They say, eat that, and we'll give you a pencil case in return or something. I hated raw carrots. I honestly, like, I couldn't do it. I, was, I don't know why. I always felt like I was going to vomit when I was having them. Have you changed? No. Okay. But bad parenting. That's, that, is a, that is a failure of the Irish education system. <laughs> exactly. No, no, it's not bad parenting. parenting. It's failure of the Irish education system. Failure of the education system. Now, obviously, I'm sure you have a ha- case. <laughs> Well, this case is kind of different to a scenario where you've got compulsory vaccinations because the diseases that are being tested in this case aren't transmittable. All that the court was looking at was the rights of the family and the rights of the parents to make decisions about their kids. Whereas if you had a case looking at compulsory vaccinations, the court would look at the the rights of the family and the parents, but would importantly look at the common good, the interests of society as a whole. Because clearly not getting your kid vaccinated doesn't just affect your kid. It affects all the other people and all the other children that your child interacts with. All right, so we've looked at two cases. Uh, Maybe, guys, let's have a little bit of a discussion about how compulsory vaccinations would work. Now, Now, it's been suggested that you could do a few things to make vaccines compulsory. You could either fine parents who don't have their kids vaccinated... Or you could say to kids, if your kids don't get vaccinated, they can't avail of free public education. Or some of your social welfare benefits can be cut off by the state, which is what they do in certain states in Australia. It's affectionately titled, No Jab, No Pay. Pierce, what are your thoughts on this? I think uh, parents have a right to decide what school they send their children to, or or perhaps to, to have them homeschooled. I think, and I've said this before, if you sign up to a public system... Uh, you're availing of state education, then you sign up. There's no opt-in, opt-out clauses. You take the package as it comes. And if you don't like it, well, you can go somewhere else and educate your kids there. As I said before as well, uh, attaching conditions to public services is always a, a dangerous game. And you do have to say, well, if you raise the question now, would it be better for society? Yes. Uh, would it be objectively better for the individual in question? Yes. But... You do have to, you know, there are checks and balances on the state for a reason, and is that that so that it doesn't go too far and take too much power. And you, the slippery slope argument, I think, is a fair one. And as all your autonomy got, like fundamentally, the only thing we have left when the state is intruding into our lives is is our autonomy, the freedom to to choose what to do with ourselves, and particularly on matters concerning our own bodies, which surely are the is the least of things that we should have control over well there's a still controlled substances uh there's still recreational drugs that are illegal uh i think that's probably a question for a different episode but you know the state has a great deal of power already and you know in a sense that's kind of a negative and negative responsibility on the state but if you create another positive responsibility on the state saying that they can put something into your body um i think it's very different like there is even the choice to not drink tap water but if you make vaccinations compulsory it is an extra step Pierce what what do you think the net effect of having compulsory vaccinations would be 
Would we see more people getting vaccinated? Would we just be driving the people who already are, you know, vaccine skeptics towards the edge of society? I, I don't know. Like I said, when it kind of hinges on public service usage, you know, I mean, people, I think, would be very reluctant to not have their kids avail of the Irish education system. You know, if that's a prerequisite to have your kids vaccinated, then I think people, you know, they'll probably still, you know, shout and moan about it, whatever, but they'll they'll get their kids vaccinated. Of course, I think there is a stigma exists anyway against people um, who don't vaccinate their children. And I think t- to an extent that's that's correct. It's it's a public health risk. And you even see there after the uh, display there in Temple Bar the other day, um, as as Ireland is coping with the coronavirus outbreak, that people are are shocked and people are giving out about it. And um, there's you know there's a kind of a shame culture surrounding it uh, because obviously these individuals are throwing caution to the wind and, and putting a lot of vulnerable people at risk. So I think that sh- that should also play uh, play out uh, if, if compulsory vaccinations came into force. Would it not be better to have a public health education campaign targeting these people, giving them the facts on vaccines no, and uh, discouraging anti-vax this, movements instead this of This goes over these people's head. I mean, you know, you, we, we've seen the HSEs campaigns on television and things like that uh, about um, portion control when, when you're when you're giving your kids dinner and things like that. I think they're absolute rubbish. People who know know these things know them and people who don't, they're not going to have their mind changed by, by, by an advertisement on television. I think it's an incredible waste of public money, an incredible waste of resources that could be better directed within the HSE. I think that's really cynical. These are people who potentially will remove their kids from the Irish education system and home educate their kids if we have mandatory vaccination laws and their kids still won't be vaccinated because mandatory vaccination laws can't make make kids get vaccinated you can't tie down a child and jab a needle into their arm and vaccinate them you, you can't do that legally that's torture effectively so the only dart. way to do it is a dart gun <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's like you're watching yeah, those guys on Animal Planet and you yeah. just go bang the tranquilizer <laughs> the tranquilizer the, dart the cougar, yeah. Yeah. you can't lock up the parents as well uh, the only way to do it is to remove as, as you said Alex access to education and vital services or to fine the parents yeah we'll cut, cut the medical cards cut everything it has to it has to hang on your access to public services and people won't be long getting vaccinated if they realize right i've no access to the hse i've no access to public education i'm not getting my child benefit etc cetera, etc cetera. does I mean, that not essentially create not a, a literal ghetto but a, a cultural ghetto for people and instead, uh, you, you you disenfranchise the population, and you can it becomes a culture war. It becomes a culture war and a very insular community that will only. I think their marginalisation will only make it fester and look. Vaccines, vaccines are not a cultural issue, and they they shouldn't be. It is it is a they're based off medical facts. There should be no interpretation by. Uh, the population on whether a vaccine is good or bad for you. That is left up to medical professions. And if they are mandated by the HSE to be good for you, or if the the benefits outweigh the potential side effects, then there should be no debate on the topic. You get yeah, but them, we're we're not saying there's a debate on the topic, and we're not doctors, but we're taking the voice of the HSE and saying that vaccines are a good thing. But what we are discussing is the fact that whether compulsory vaccinations could be legal and 
they could be legislated for according to a UCC law professor. But what we are also saying is that whether making them compulsory or introducing a fine or a penalty will disenfranchise a section of society and whether that's a failure on the part of the medical profession to properly educate the entire population. There is a study which came out in 2010. It was an EU-funded study which looked at all the countries in Europe which had mandatory vaccination laws, which was 10, or 15 out of the, the EU 27 at the time. And it found that the enforcement of mandatory vaccinations does not appear to be relevant in determining childhood immunisation rate in the al- analysed countries. Uh, those countries where a vaccination is mandatory do not usually reach better coverage than neighbour or similar countries where there is no legal obligation. Mandatory vaccinations for both healthcare workers and the public can obtain a rapid improvement in immunisation rates, but in the end have high costs, especially in terms of litigation. So that's the previous director of Health Protection Surveillance Centre in Ireland. People will yeah. challenge this. And it is people, it's obviously people's right to challenge this. People have the right to access the courts. But is it not better to instead make something mandatory and in a sense force somebody to do it at the end of a dart gun with the uh, MMR vaccine <laughs> loaded into it? Is it not better to invest in a better communication strategy better education on why this matters why it's a good thing forcing somebody to do something will involve resistance i think pierce and myself can be quite stubborn if we are told to do something although we may want to do it or we although we may do it it's just the fact that somebody's told us to do something that we might yeah. want to resist like this podcast oh, I, I, Pier- pierce yeah no a throbbing headache at the moment and we said take some neurofen yeah. and <laughs> you know lighten up sweetie Crack, crack open a can of an unnamed energy drink. Why are we making this distinction between children and adults here? Why are we only saying that the vaccinations should be compulsory for children? And why not extend it to, you know, the flu vaccine every year for adults? No, I, I think, I mean, you have to give some agency to fully grown adults at that stage. But I think there's a duty of care on the behalf of the state to ensure that diseases or flus or whatever it is aren't rampantly spreading in schools. I think it even embeds the concept in a child's head that, yes, vaccines are a good thing to get. And I think they're far more likely, perhaps in later life then, to go and get the flu vaccine of their own volition because they understand, yes, this is something I've always done all my life. I'm very accustomed to it. I'm not scared of needles. I'm, you know, I'm, I, I recognize that this is for my own good, as well as the good of the broader population. And they'll probably be more likely to do it because they've learned in school, vaccines aren't bad for you. And it, it's something that is, you know, done in the normal course of life. It's becoming a very first world problem, unfortunately, because, you know, when polio was at its peak and the vaccine was developed, Funny enough, vaccine uptake was uh, was pretty high. And then even in third world countries where people still suffer from these awful, awful diseases, trust in vaccines is a hell of a lot higher than it is in first world countries where we don't have to experience these on a day-to-day basis. That's an interesting point, Alex. It's important to note that take-up of the MMR vaccine in Ireland is best in the west of the country and in the Midlands. Several areas have exceeded the 95% coverage target at two years of age. Now, 95% coverage, according to many doctors' groups and medical groups, is what you need for herd immunity. Other parts of the country aren't meeting the target. In West Cork and West County Wicklow, there's only an 85 to 89% coverage rate. Gavin, you, you hail from... Um 
from Wicklow. I would say the East what? County Wicklow, Pierce. Yes, East County nonetheless. Wicklow. I'm sitting nonetheless. beside you here in the studio. I think, um, oh, should I be nervous? <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. I think as well, the, the studio is a bit of a grandiose term for the <laughs> facilities that we're operating out of. But uh, why, why would you think that um, people hailing from Wicklow are, are um, suspicious of the uh, of of getting vaccinations, you'd have to ask people in West County Wicklow. I I don't speak for them. In terms of the process around this, uh, here's how compulsory vaccinations could be implemented in Ireland. Now, the government could pass legislation mandating for compulsory vaccinations. However, two things could happen there: an individual could challenge the constitutionality of this legislation um, on the basis of maybe the cases we discussed. Or the president can use his power to refer a bill, which is a piece of legislation which has not been enacted yet into law, to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court could look at the law in light of the Constitution and decide whether it is constitutional or not. The alternative to that is you amend our Constitution, so there's no issues with the Constitution whatsoever, by means of referendum. Alex, what are your thoughts on this? Well, there is a a history of Ireland putting difficult social questions to a referendum and it was it is obviously the most democratic and it would take it uh, take its hand or take it out of the court's hands um, and even take it out of the legislature's hands which could only be a good thing well maybe we haven't learned our lesson from the last time we tried to regulate what is in essence a health issue in our constitution the biggest law in the state which can only be amended by vote of the people and can only be interpreted by judges I don't know if putting a provision in the Constitution talking about mandatory vaccinations is the wisest of ideas. Well, that's it for Legally Fond episode four. We hope you enjoyed our discussion. You learned a little bit and it gives you some food for thought to think about over the coming weeks. As we said at the start of the episode, in light of current events, take care of yourself, wash your hands and stay safe. If you want to find out more about this or other topics, head to our blog, legallyfond.blogspot.com. Follow us on Instagram, and we'd recommend reading the piece on Orti Brainstorm from the UCC law lecturer, Connor O'Mahony. He knows way more about this than we do. (laughs) 